What do you expect this morning? What have you expected in the Lord? We're continuing our series as we look forward to the Advent season and celebrating the birth of Jesus. I hope you're excited. I hope you sense uh, that God is doing some great things, and we have lots to be thankful for as we celebrate this week, Thanksgiving. Uh, just to look back quickly, if you, if you missed last week, you can go to our website. Uh, we have all of our sermons, all of our messages on the website. You can go to gaten.church. Um, slash media, and you can check those out, and you can watch that uh, everyone can expect in Jesus. Everyone can expect great expectations in Jesus. And so we started with this perspective that this is for everybody, that we are welcoming and inviting everyone into this place of expectation in Christ. And today, we're going to talk about the expectation of victory, the expectation of victory. Now, when you're a Penn State fan, you can't always expect victory, <laughs> Uh, for those who don't care about football, they did lose a Penn State loss yesterday, unfortunately, and they're kind of out of things now. When I was thinking about this idea of victory, I don't know what the biggest victory you've had in life is, what you would consider your biggest victory. Um, I remember when I was in high school, my freshman year, uh, there were two of us. Uh, my, my friend Ben and I were freshmen. We were the only two to make the varsity football team. Uh, that meant you just pretty much watched the games, unless it was a blowout. Maybe you got in the fourth quarter a little bit. Um, but we ended up going 14-0. That was the best our school had ever been. And we went to the state title, and we won the state title. And it was this great victory, and it was huge, and it was a big moment for all of us. And uh, we were about two hours from our high school. So on the bus ride back, uh, the upperclassmen decided it would be fun on the way back uh, to take the player's tape that we tape our wrists and our, our ankles with before the games to tape me and Ben to the seats on the bus. So we're riding back into uh, my hometown. Uh, we're heading back to the high school. We have a police escort. There are people out in their lawns, like honking their horns and waving at us. And I'm in the bus taped to a seat. <laughs> Not exactly how I thought victory was going to be, right? And this morning, when you think of victory, um, when, you, when you got up and when you thought of what you were going to do today and how your life's going and all these different things that we think about, maybe it was last night, I think about things before I go to bed. How's life going? What, what, where's God progressing? What is going on in my life? Do you feel defeated or do you feel victory? Do you feel defeated or do you feel victory? You know, one of the things for me, um, being in church and growing up in church, is that there's this idea that, you know, Christianity is a great thing and, and Jesus and God are a great thing, but is it real? Right? Do we have real victory? Can I really expect victory in Jesus? And let's be honest, we live in a messy world and many of us have gone through a lot of mess, right? And sometimes it can be hard to expect victory when things around us seem to be so messy and so hard. And so this morning... The question I have for us, can we expect victory? Can we expect victory? Can you expect victory? My expectation is that God is going to speak to me. He's going to speak to us through his words. And so before we go to his words, let's precede it with prayer. If you pray with me, please. Father God of heaven, you are holy, you are victorious. 
Lord, we ask this morning that the victory that is in heaven would be revealed to us here where we are in this place. And Lord, as we uh, still live in these moments, these last moments in this sin-filled world, um, we pray that you would give us what we need to see the victory, that our eyes would be open, that our hearts would be in tune to what you have to tell us about victory today. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that we have so much to be thankful for because you have forgiven us, you have paid for our sins, you have been gracious, and Lord, you've called us to to be like that in our own lives, and we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to understand the victory we have in you, that you have set us free from sin, you have set us free from the enemy, and you have given us victory, and your forgiveness and your sacrifice on the cross have established this for us this morning. Help us to understand that. And Lord, as we talk about this this morning, as we read what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and as we think about our lives, and we think about what has transpired over the years, and we think about the defeats that maybe we perceive, Lord, help us to see it through your eyes, help us to understand it through your words. And Lord, I pray, I ask you that you would protect our minds, protect our thoughts, Help us not to be deceived or lied to. Help us not to feel overwhelmed, but to sense your peace and victory. Lord, I pray that we would always, always, always remember that our eternity is set in you. The future is bright. The best is yet to come. Lord, help us to believe and receive and live in that manner, knowing that you have already won. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through these words that you have have recorded for thousands of years now for us to read and understand. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we'll be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 54 through 56. If you do not have a Bible and like one, we'd love to get you one. There's a lot of opportunities today with many translations of the Bible on your phone, on your tablet. I would encourage you uh, to make a habit of investing in reading God's Word every day, growing in His Word so that you uh, can be more like Him. So this morning it'll also be on the screens as we go through. Every time we look at the Bible, we want to know the context of what we're reading. Uh, We want to understand why was God saying this at this time to these people, and how does that uh, impact me? And so Corinthians was a port city. It was a powerful city. It was a city that had been um, very influential in its time. And Paul had planted a church in Corinth. He had established it for about a year and a half. He stayed there, and then he left. And he began to get reports from Corinth that things had been going badly that there had been division in the church and there was arguments in the church and there was one group that had risen up within the church and they were doubting the resurrection. They were doubting the validity of eternal life. It was kind of like this idea that, yeah, Christianity's nice and this idea of God's nice and maybe it helps me live a good life, but in the end, we just disappear. The death is the end. That there is no true victory in death. And so Paul is writing this letter to Corinth to deal with this challenge of the resurrection, to deal with this challenge of ultimate victory in Christ. And so that's where we pick up Paul writing to the church, and here's what he says after he's gone through some amazing statements. I would encourage you later today, go back and read um, all of this chapter. But here in verse 54, he says, 
when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. There's an instance that's going to come for all of us. We are all perishable. Maybe as you get older, you recognize that more and more how perishable we are. That time is fleeting, that we are, we are no longer, um, there's, there's a time in your life where things stop going up and they start going down, right? That we're perishable. And that we are mortal, we are not immortal. And there's this concept that, that we live in a state where we don't know what it's like to be eternal yet. So it's very hard for us to understand. And so we live every day like every day will will be similar to today and and it'll keep going on and on. And and maybe in the back of our heads, we recognize that there is an end coming to this life. There is an end to this. And so it's amazing when Paul writes, when the perishable has been clothed. What an interesting statement to make, that it is clothed, that my perishable body, my, my, my fleeting body will one day be clothed with something that's imperishable, that my mortal body, the body that I live in now, will one day be uh, clothed or will be um, covered with immortality. What does that mean? What does that mean? This morning, do you feel clothed with Christ? Do you feel clothed with who he is and what he's done? Do you feel clothed with immortality, with the imperishable. Jesus offers us an imperishable, immortal body as part of his victory. Then he says, as we continue on, then the saying that is written will come true. The the saying he's referring to is from Isaiah 25, verse 8. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up to victory. Where, O death, is your victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? What is the greatest victory you can have in life? If you were to consider right now the victory you want to have about your life, if you were to be able to transpire everything that's going to happen from this place onward, what would be a victorious life for you? What would it mean to have victory in life? Is there any victory greater than the victory over death? Is there any victory, whether it's achievement, whether it's success, whether it's power, influence, finances, is there any victory that is greater? Is there any victory that is greater than the victory over death? When the issue of death is resolved, all other issues change, correct? When the issue of death, the the challenge of death is resolved, all other issues change are affected. The rest of your life is affected. How you consider death, what you consider about your expectations of death impacts how you live now. And here's what he says. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Do you believe that this morning? What an amazing, like, if you were to write this, would you have written it that way? Death has been swallowed up like that is, that is a, you know, this image of death being swallowed up, consumed, completely obliterated. Do you believe that about death? That it has been swallowed up in victory. Whose victory? Jesus' victory, right? That victory is found in Christ. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, 
and the power of sin is the law. We've all sensed the power of death, right? Because we've sinned in our life. One of the things I've learned about sin in my life is sin always brings death, right? It's always a loss. Sin always produces death, either death to a relationship, death to an opportunity, death to peace, death to hope. Sin always produces some form of death, right? And the law, the law reveals my weakness. This is so important. Sin produces death, and the law reveals my weakness. And so every single one of us, we can all, I hope you can relate to this, I hope you see this in life, we all have an enemy that lives within us. We all have an enemy that lives within us. Here's what this enemy does. This is the tactic of the enemy. This is the challenge. This is the battle. The enemy within us says it's not that big a deal. Everyone's doing it. You can get away with it. It's going to make life better. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to be so worth it. Just do it. It lowers the law and says, it's okay. Do it. Right? This is how the enemy works. It lowers the standard on the front end, doesn't it? This is how sin operates. It convinces us. It tempts us. It says, do this. Tell that lie. Cheat that way. Do this thing. It's going to make you feel better. It's going to make your life better. It's better than what God has for you. It's okay. You'll never get caught, right? This is how sin works. So on the front end, sin lowers the, the holiness of life. Sin lowers the bar. And then after you do, what is sin's next, what is the enemy's next approach to you? We're told that he is the accuser. It becomes the accuser. So it lowers the bar on the front end. Then you sin, and it it heightens the bar, right? Then sin's like, how could you do that? God will never love you again because you did that. How could you possibly thought that was an okay thing to do? Am I right? And then we live in guilt, and we come to church, and we hear about lying, and we remember when we lied, and we hear about cheating, and we remember when we cheated, and we feel guilty, and we stand there, and, and the enemy has convinced us first that the bar was so low, and then the bar is so high. And we deal with this over and over on this cycle. I'll do it, and then I feel so guilty about it. And then how could God ever receive me? How could I ever return to God? How could I ever be right with God again? Because the enemy plants that seed in our hearts and our lives, right? That I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. How could I have committed this sin? How could I have allowed this to happen? I can never return. That's the battle. That's the battle of sin. That is the battle that is waged. That is the uh, eternal struggle. What is Jesus called? The enemy tells lies, and then he accuses us. The enemy that lives within us tells lies and then accuses us. Jesus is called Lord and Savior. He is Lord because he tells us the right way to go. He is Lord because he is holy and truthful. He is Lord because he he shepherds us in the right direction. He is Lord because he, he, he points the way that we are to go. And he is Savior Because he knows we will fall short and need to be saved. That we cannot expect victory in ourselves. We cannot expect victory in ourselves. I cannot expect victory in myself. 
When the enemy tempts, I say, you're lying. He's telling the truth. I'm going to follow Christ. When the enemy tells me that I'm convicted, I'm, I'm not convicted. I have been told that there's no condemnation in Christ. doesn't matter what the enemy tells you today. If you're in Christ, you are forgiven. And you're worthy to come to the Father's feet. You're worthy to be in the Father's home. You are accepted into Christ. Do you see the victory we can expect in Christ? Do you see the power of expectation of this victory in Christ? It's amazing. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. What are we going to do on Thursday? We're going to say thank you. We're going to say thank you. This is thanksgiving time. It's time for us to give thanks. If all we have to give thanks about is what we have done for ourselves, that's not a lot, is it? If all we have to give thanks about is what we can do for ourselves in the future, that's not very much. Thanksgiving without Christ, thanksgiving without the ultimate victory, thanksgiving without things being um, established for us for eternity is a totally different day. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Because he had a plan. God had a plan. Why can I be thankful to God? Because 2,000 years ago, he came to earth as a human and he was born in a stable. And that's why we have Advent. And we're going to light the candles over the next five Sundays. This wreath represents his victory. This is where it starts. The victory began when God humbled himself in his plan and became a person. He left heaven and came to earth. So he came to be with us. He came to be one of us. That was step one in the victory plan, the victory tour, right? Plan one was the manger, coming to earth. If he doesn't come to earth, we don't have victory. Plan number two was the cross, He had to live a perfect life and be sacrificed on a cross for our sins to pay the cost and penalty of sin. And so his plan, the manger, the cross, and right here behind this, if you haven't been with us, we have a a baptistry, the resurrection, the tomb. Jesus' plan, God's plan that we can be thankful for is that he came in the manger, he went to the cross, and he rose from the dead so that we can have guaranteed victory, so that you and I can expect victory. You can expect victory in death. Why should we be thankful? Because the greatest challenge that any of us have in death has been won. And there's victory. There's victory. Do you sense that victory right now? You know, we can expect victory in Christ. Every single one of us can expect victory in Christ. That we also can feel defeated. And maybe this morning you say, yes, I believe I have victory in death, but I really feel defeated today. And here's what I would encourage you with. There's basically two things we're told here that help us have victory. First, we admit the truth, right? 
I'm going to be honest with myself. I've made mistakes. I've done things I shouldn't. I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going to be honest with my situation. I'm going to be honest. Honesty is the first step to victory. And then second is thanksgiving. Thanks be to God. What if every morning you woke up and said, today, whatever, whatever I, challenges I have, whatever stumbling box that will be in front of me, I want to follow you, and I'm thankful for the victory you're going to give me today. I'm thankful for the victory you gave me yesterday. And maybe I fail, and maybe I fall down, and maybe I make a mistake, and maybe I fall into a trap, and maybe I believe a lie, but I can get back up, and I can admit it, and be honest with myself, and be thankful that I have a, a father who will forgive me and receive me unto himself and that he does not hold anything against me. He doesn't hold it against us. Because remember, he tells the truth and he saves us. We don't save ourselves. Victory is not about our circumstances this morning. Victory is not about our circumstances It's about our relationship. It's putting on the victory. It's living in the victory. How can you expect victory when you recognize it in all situations? Whatever you have in your life today, whatever it is, compare it to the eternal victory that has been given. Because here's what happens when we compare to the eternal victory in our challenges. They lose their power to control us. They lose their power to stress us out. They lose their power to overwhelm us because we recognize the greater victory. Doesn't mean everything's going to work out the way you want it. Doesn't mean you're going to get every victory that you want to have. But it does mean you can expect victory in this life because it's not about you. It's about what he's done. This morning... Is that your victory? Do you sense that victory in your life? Are you expecting that kind of victory today? Are you expecting the victory that Christ has? That's my prayer for us as we begin this Advent season, this week of Thanksgiving. Thank God that we have a future that's victorious. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all that you do for us. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to see the victory we have, that we would embrace that victory, that we would live in that victory. And Lord, I pray that whatever challenges we're trying to overcome, whatever challenges we're in the midst of, that we would look beyond them and see you and see what you've done and what you've established. Lord, we are so grateful today. It's hard to say that over and over again. Lord, if there was a better word, I would try to use it to say thank you because you have supplied us not only with what we need today, but what we need for forever. Help us to know that and to live that and to believe that and to walk in that. And Lord, we expect our victory in you because you paid the price for us. And so Lord, help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to put our expectation in you. And Lord, we are grateful for what you're gonna do. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord's speaking to your heart and you need prayer, you need encouragement, um, you want to begin a relationship with Christ, please come by and see me, see someone on staff. Uh, We would love to be able to talk with you and encourage you and help you through that.
as we conclude our service.